Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you want interesting and entertaining debate on the Premier League and other English leagues, but from a show that doesn't take itself too seriously, then check out The Whistleblowers. It's a weekly football podcast hosted by me. I used to play football, Martin Gritton, uh, stand-up Mark Smith when he can, and music manager Gareth Dobson, who uh, always has plenty of good chat being a Spurs fan. Um, we basically get football writers in to have a chat as well, and we talk about the stories that matter in English football, whether it's on the pitch or off it. It's free to listen to iTunes, Acast, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, or you can download the Whistleblowers app and follow us on Twitter at Football Podcast. Cheers. Hello, and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig, and I'm joined by... Live from one of his many bedrooms, Paul Doolan. Hi. And live from one of his many utility rooms, Dave Watson. It's a dining room, for God's sake. We've dining been over room, this. Yeah, we've done that. dining room. He's, ever, he's in the middle of a dinner party. <laughs> <laughs> An illegal dinner party. Do, do we yeah. have any chat? I mean, none of us are doing anything with our lives. Well, we, me and Fergus, as you know, Dave, midway through the game on Saturday, just went to do our random individual exercise by going for a walk and happened to run into each other at a place selling pints. That was that's I mean, that, an outing I've had this month. I was humming and ahhing over whether I was going to. Yeah. I was humming and ahhing over whether I was going to broadcast that. Well, it's it fine. So I didn't break any rules. Did we not? I wasn't sure. Uh, it was or not. You were allowed to exercise with one other person from a different household, which we did. Which we, we did. Outside, socially distanced. Yeah. We might have made out a few times, but. I mean, thankfully, because because Fergus is such a tiny person and Paul, you're so so massive. It looks like that you're right next to each other, but that's just foreshortening. That's just camera trickery. That's... I guess yeah. The listeners don't know that I'm nine foot two, do they? No, it's weird. I always think people would <laughs> know it. 
from well, from the cadence in your voice, yeah. it sounds you sound huge. It's true. Something that wasn't nine foot two was our performance. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't I make tell sense. You what, it could have been nine two uh, this weekend. Mm. Um, I thought I'd start with this. Uh, Ice T, uh, the famous rapper, uh, tweeted a few hours ago a tweet that could have been directed at Steve Bruce. Ice cold fact. No matter what you say or do, some people will love it and others will think it sucks. Get used to it. It's called life. So, um, I query the love it part. I'm not sure many Newcastle fans would have loved Saturday. Sure, but I think most uh, pundits who don't watch football thought think love what he does. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait until I hear you takes on it before I get into mine because I think I think you two know how I feel about it I'm sure the listeners know where I'm at but let's hear what you have you any defense for that performance I um, I'll go on you go first Paul it it sort of followed a recent trend of being very hard to watch and us just being incredibly deep but also somehow very easy to play through it, I don't know. Yeah, there's usually there's a trade-off that we've had in recent years of you can play ultra defensively, but you have to to make yourselves hard to break down and have a chance of being in the game. It feels like we're we're keeping the same formation of that and playing as far back down the pitch, but somehow we're very easy to play against. So it's yeah. it's doubly bad to watch. It was the first half. I found one of the most depressing of recent games because you just thought there was it was the same mistakes again and no. I hesitate to say no plan, but it was we just don't look capable of stringing two passes together, and you just reach a point of thinking, "Fucking hell, this again." That might mm. just be the fixtures that we've had recently, sort of three of the top six in six in quick succession, but who knows? Is, is, it, is it not too early in the season to call the teams that we faced top six? Because for all, Southampton did go top with their win against us. Um, the league is so compact that, you know, they, I don't know where they are now, but they're not in the, the top four. So, you know, it's... I know, I know that we, when we faced them, they were a, they they went top, but they're not a top six side, and to to be comprehensively twatted around by somebody who's not a top top tier side. Well, that, we're not talking. Shows... We're not talking about the Southampton game, are we? We've done that, and the Southampton game. Yes, maybe at the end of the season, Southampton won't be a top six side. You're probably right; they won't be. But at the time that we played them, they were a top six side. They were a top six side on form. Uh, mm. no, just to play devil's And you could go the other way. It's, so we played Everton when they were, what, top of the league and beat them. So it's, it does go both yeah, ways. We played yeah, one good teams. Like Spurs and Chelsea are both overperforming on last season. We've played both of them now. So, I mean, we'll get onto this later, but it feels like we've got, on paper at least, a much easier run of games coming up. So it'll be interesting to see where we are after that. But... But regardless, the Chelsea game, you just thought we've we're not in with a hope in this game. It like it's, 
it's not often I'm like, there's no point watching this, but that was an easy decision. Yeah. I thought that when, when you saw the game starting to un- unfold, it, 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 you did think that, right, we've, the, the formation makes sense given the opposition, you know, with yeah. ostensibly with five at the back. I mean, it was something that I think like Stan Collymore, it was retweeted on my, my timeline by somebody, but Stan Collymore said that uh, Bruce likes to say that he's, he's playing like a 3-4-3, three, three, but the fullbacks never get forward, so it is a five at the back. Um, so like, that formation, I've no problem with playing five at the back. You can still be um, creative, you can still be progressive with five at the back. It's just how you set that up. And like you said before, Paul, which is so deep and yet also so easy to to get through. But there's no surprise that we still decide with the most shots on target against and the, the, the keepers having to make the most saves in the division. So here's what I, I think. Yeah, go on. Well, I think I feel like what we keep doing and, you know, in, in generalities, I, like as always, I say like this just feels like the last five years of Newcastle to me and you know some performance in that time every now and again there's a well quite often there's a terrible performance every now and again there's a good performance I just feel like that's the last five years but something that feels like we're doing a lot right now I is I used to play cricket for a few years and um sometimes I, I was very bad at cricket right but sometimes I'd be batting and they'd say, don't bother going for boundaries, just try and get the odd single. And I didn't know how to get a single. How do you, like, attempt to hit a single? You just, I just try and hit the and as hard as I can. Not slog it, but, you know, I try and hit the ball. And if it goes, if I haven't hit it well enough, then maybe it'll go for a single instead of a four. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm like, yeah. how do I get a single? Do I just hit it a little bit less hard? <laughs> and I feel like what's happened with the Newcastle team is they've been told something along the lines of play it steady, play it cautious, don't go for too hard for it. Mm. And it feels like they feel like they have to, by being cautious, they have to pass backwards or sideways. And I, I don't have a problem with teams when they pass backwards when it's always like when people go mad at players for, for a backward pass, it feels like with us quite often we're passing backwards, but actually the better way of keeping the ball would be to pass it forwards. Do you know what I mean? We're like literally yeah, passing yeah. it back into I wonder, danger. It, I do wonder make, if it's a player confidence issue at the minute, because we do seem as a group to be pretty low on confidence. As soon as we, any attacking move, it's just deemed too risky and they just play the safe ball back which I think in previous seasons whenever that's happened it's been blamed on the Newcastle fans in the stadium I'm not sure what it is this time it's oh, it's, um, it's it's the thing that, the thing that it's, it's that strikes me is that the way that we've been set up means that our two centre midfielders are playing quite deep which again like we say it's fine if you want to play deep then you've got to be um, compact and you've got to be organised we're not organised and we're not compact but because those two central defend, those central midfielders are playing quite deep all of the, the forward balls 
are higher risk than a five-yard ball forward. So the the forward players aren't getting it, so they're dropping further back. And again, they're becoming into that area where a five-yard ball, the safest option is still going to be to the side or back. And we need, maybe it is a confidence thing, but if it is a confidence thing, then it's on Steve Bruce to put the confidence in them. It is. No, that's his job because we're, we're always told that he's less <laughs> I don't know why less you were reacting there to. Like the... The, the, the smirk on, on Paul's face is what I was reacting okay, to. Well, and I... your like stifled laugh is what I was reacting to. Okay, we, right. we, we're always told that he's, he's not a good tactical manager, but he's a great man manager. Well, he's not doing either. So what the fuck good is he? I think the players are getting off with a lot here because we've got Steve Bruce as well, though. I think we're, we're constantly told this is a system the players know and they're comfortable playing in it. But set up in that way, they just don't seem to be able to do it. There's no, we, we're unable to pass the football around. And uh, Alan, Shearer did, Alan Shearer did quite a good package at the, um, on Match of the Day. Selection of instances where we were passing the ball backwards, and there were so many instances where it was an easy pass forward. I'm not even mm. saying, even if you were holding out, if you, if you, even if you were one nil up and you were trying to hold out for the victory, the more mm. sensible thing would be the pass forward. It was just that yeah. was the player who was open, and yet, and it seems that this. This way in which we're playing at the moment, some by design, probably, possibly some by bad coaching, certainly some by poor confidence, seems to have coincided with a time in football when most teams are really pressing really high all the time. Mm. So we're consistently passing the ball back into situations where maybe a few years ago, it would be quite a safe situation, but we're actually putting our own defenders under pressure with like three strikers around them, <laughs> like consistently, yeah. certainly against a side like Chelsea. Yeah, but then if, if the league has gone that way, yeah, yeah. it's your team to, to react to that. And, yeah. and we've said it before that if you don't have the confidence to... to break the pass with intricate passing movement, break the press with intricate passing movements, then go long. And we had the players on the pitch on the weekend. And St. Maxman was wide left as we've, you know, we called for him to move back to wide left. Like do those long searching balls. And at the very least it would just, you know, give the defenders a chance to reorganize. But what we're finding is that, the, the ball when the ball does go long or when we you know one of their attacks breaks down they're not organized you know you, you've got Lascelles pointing where he wants his teammates to be and they're just not they don't seem to know it and that, and I'm, I'm banging the drum but that that comes back to not it not being drilled into them and it should yeah, be I think by now regardless of who it comes down to there's been plenty of opportunities where there is a pass on and through just not being able to spot it, not having the confidence or not having the talent, we just don't seem to make them. I think there was sort of interesting contrast of how we should be playing 
even though it's a much more expensive team. But you look at Spurs, they're very good at doing that, soak up and then just have really critical counter-attacks, which we've had as a sort of style of play in the past. And at the minute, we're doing the ultra-defensive bit, but then as soon as we get the ball, nobody seems to know what the counter-attacking plan is. There's no... Another, well, it yeah. seems that we're quite often... We've got quite a few good dribblers in the side. Mm, uh, yeah. Obviously, certainly St. Maximin. But it seems like... Because we can't string, string a few passes together and because there isn't like a... There aren't good runs being made. Um, it seems like it's just basically up to either St. Maximin to run from our half of the pitch through the whole side or Jacob Murphy or Almiron or whoever, it's just basically your turn to try and run through the whole side. Yeah, no which it, it, it puts too much pressure on the individual in the team because that's the way we're set up. We're, we're set up to to benefit from St. Maximum's incredible dribbling skills or Callum Wilson's really good movement or, like you say, Almiron's dynamism or something like that. It's not... Okay, if if the ball goes over this side, the rest of the team, this is what you should be doing to give him you're a better chance of passing up. You're basically saying, and our um, counter-attacking method is to score that goal that Maradona scored in the '86 World Cup. <laughs> That's <laughs> it's, it's like a few a few um, a few pods ago, I was having to go saying, "There's no plan. There's no plan," and you two were saying, "Well." It, there is a plan, but you just don't like it. The plan is to give it to some maximum and, and get it, let him go off with it. And it's taken me a while to put it together. But oh, like, here we go. Uh, no, no, hear me out. No, to put my retort together. Because my, my thing is, that's like saying that your, your plan for financial security is putting £2.50 on the lottery. It's not a plan. It's a terrible idea. There are much better ways to have a financial future analogy than trying to win the lottery. Up. Well, well, it is. You're gambling on something unlikely to be well, reliable. No, it's, well, gam- it's gambling on your millions. It's gambling on your millions for tonight. So that's double. I've doubled my odds. Sorry, go on. Paul. I'd say it's gambling on one of your strongest. It's like saying Argentina in that World Cup were gar- just gambling on Maradona. It was the same plan, but. It, no, because the rest of that Argentina side were told to like, right, you've got to do the dirty work. You've got to graft your backsides off. You've got to hold this shape. You've got to be in this formation. And they did that bit of it well, as well as releasing Maradona. Whereas we're not defending well. We're not holding the shape. We're not organised. We're not pressing. We're not stopping attacks. And then we give it to Alan Maximum. That's the problem. It's like, I've no problem with just saying, it's like Crystal Palace, get the ball to Zaha. Fine. But the rest of the team is set up to defend and to to get the ball to him in a reliable way. We're not. And that's got to say that, well, there, to... There, I'm, I'm sure that there, there is a plan beyond just giving it to St. Maximin. There is a plan, probably not that dissimilar to Crystal Palace's plan. Yeah. It's just, um, it's just, one terribly executed. Not, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's certainly poorly executed, and I'll concede. I'm not like banging the drum for Steve Bruce. Like I would rather have no. Roy Hodgson as manager. It's like it. It would probably be better organised, and and the players would certainly be 
better drilled. Um, but yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> set set piece delivery is doing my fucking head in. Oh, or, the, or the lack of it even actually... Mm. We seem to have been delivered. trying a lot of things in training that look... Mm. Well, it's like even when we... It's like if we're not going to get that many opportunities, it is so like England. <laughs> but like, but yeah, if we're not going to get that many opportunities, if we've got a free kick in the final third, don't pass it sideways again. I know. Just, no. Just lob it, it into in the box. box. Please. We, we've got the height in like the, the two centre-halves. Hayden's got a decent height on him. Certainly Joe Linton and Callum Wilson are big, tall, you know, strong centre-forwards. And sh- sure as shit, Andy Carroll is a danger when it comes to set-pieces. So we have the arsenal. Why aren't we just... And I have no problem with being creative on the, on the training ground and doing something a little bit unexpected. But your regular delivery into the box should be... Either get it to the back stick and just overload the back post and have all your big lads at the back post to cause carnage and have smaller players like sweeping up or to the near post and everybody overloads the near post. Like do something where you're causing chaos because we haven't got the individual talent. Like the, the deliveries that aren't when, that good. Remember that time when the cells scored about five goals in about two months or something? Mm. A couple of seasons ago. He hasn't. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't caused any mayhem at set pieces no. for a long time. Well, certainly not ones mayhem. where it's caused mayhem defending. In yes, a <laughs> few years. But do you, have you noticed that the when it comes to set pieces and corners, everybody seems to be starting from a, a, a stationary position when the ball's coming in. There's nobody attacking the ball. Nobody's leaping. Nobody's running into the box. It, they all just seem to be standing in the six-yard box and waiting for the ball to get there. And I think that's that's surely a thing that you change just because, again, it just causes chaos. Sure. I think they should all start miles from the box and sprint in from the halfway line. (laughs) Imagine defending that. Okay, well... um... I would say there were, there, a few, there were a few positives. St. Maximin back out wide looked much better. Much more dangerous. Mm. I thought Sean Longstaff looked okay again, apart from his part in the second goal. Yeah. Thought Hayden in the bar. Yeah. yeah. Joel Linton missed a very good chance, but still looked better than last season. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think going into think the that... run of games we've got, I think it would be harsh to judge us just too much on recent games. Like, let's see where we are after the next sort of four. Yeah, I think we've got a, a decent run of games coming up. But one thing, because you know, um, uh, Big Chris Holt on Twitter, mm. yeah, he's really good with the statistics and stuff. And and he put something up and he compared like eighteen nineteen season versus twenty twenty one season. I thought, well, that's I, I don't want to get into a Benitez versus Bruce argument. I don't want to. So I asked him to look at just nineteen twenty versus twenty twenty. 2021 and across all the stats that he picked up like shots per game shots on target goals from open play tackles interception all all of those in every category we're getting worse we're not we've 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 got much better players this season than we did last season you know we've got Callum Wilson who's an actual striker we've got you know um 
Dubravka's back and we've we've got Ryan Fraser. We we have improved the side. And yet we're getting worse. And that's that for me is a huge, huge problem. Like I would have no problem if we were still poorer than we were under Benitez, but had improved on last season. That'd be fine, because then it's like, okay, well we're 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 seeing progress into this new style and there's gonna be a you know, last season was perhaps a, a bedding in period and this is the you know, the, this is the mark of the man. But we're getting worse. I think one thing well, that's overlooked thing that... in all of that though is there's no crowds at St James's. And our form last season at home before lockdown was a lot better than it was at the end of the season, a lot better than it has been this season. I think Do that, you think the fans would be supportive? I think it makes a difference. I think there's plenty of games we've had this season where the fans would have lifted it. I think it, it's, it would be a bizarre coincidence if that's happened and it's nothing to do with no crowds. We've just suddenly got worse at home over that period. For all the fact that, 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 for all the fact that those stats show a lot of negative things, it is true that for quite a long time now, for inexplicably quite often, usually I guess down to our goalkeeper, we managed to stay in games mm. somehow for like quite a long time. It's and interesting you say that because I was looking again, I was looking, pouring over the stats and the amount of games under, and I'm not getting into, I, t- I didn't want to get into Benitez, Bruce, I promise you. I didn't want to. Hell. <laughs> well, <laughs> hell. I'm not, it's not about Benitez, Bruce. Go on, Dave. <laughs> the amount of games that we've lost, uh, that we lost under Benitez, um, you know, we, we had roughly the same number of points, but we were always losing by the odd goal. We rarely were beaten by like two, three, four goals. Whereas under Bruce, we're getting spanked and we're not just getting spanked by teams that you'd expect to spank anybody in the league, like Liverpool and Chelsea and Man U and stuff. We're getting spanked by Brighton. You know, th- th- this isn't, this isn't, um, oh, we're, we're still in the game. Like, we, we, we're not. We're, the game against Chelsea, it could have been I'm talking about inexplicably, right? I'm I'm not saying it's a sign that we're playing well. I want to, I was going to back I up. I think before we move on, we just have to agree Benitez was a better manager and had us better organised defensively. But it's yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's good. for now. That, that's fine. We don't need that. Case has been yeah. made and won. It's fine. But um, uh, other than uh, I'm just saying, for whatever reason. In terms of scoreline, we have stayed in most games for quite a long time. Even the man you won, we mm-hmm. were in that game until the 86th minute. It's only really the Brighton game where it was over in the first half in terms of scoreline. And I was just making the point to back up, Paul, that maybe with the fans in, with games being close, with us still, in terms of scoreline, with us still effectively being in it, Till the end, that could have made a difference. That's all. I think, yeah, every team's like away wins are much more prevalent now than they were before lockdowns. So it's clearly having an effect on home form. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I just my my counter to, to Paul was that I honestly don't think the fans would be. I think there would have been booze at halftime in a lot of games at St James's Park because we've been performing, even if it was just one nil at the time or nil-nil at the time the performances have been so bad 
at home. I think the Chelsea game may be, I I don't know, I think there'd have been Twitter boos, but I think the Chelsea game, if you were at that game, your reaction would be, fucking hell, how how did we get away with that just being 1-0? We're still in this rather than... I don't think they'd have got... I mean, the atmosphere at St James's Park has been invariably pretty negative for years anyway. Well, I, I don't think that's the case. I, I don't think I think the the atmosphere at St James's Park has has reflected what we've seen on the pitch. That's what I'm saying. I'd, but I think the no because no because the atmosphere for for Hutton, the atmosphere in the Championship for Hutton, the atmosphere for a lot of Pardew, for a lot of Benitez, it was all fairly positive until the performances were shit. Yeah. But the performances have the performance have been consistently shit under Bruce. So I don't think the fans would have been like geeing them up. I think they would have been booing them at half time. Okay. But my general my general thing that I'm always saying if that I'm always saying, everything that I'm saying is coated by the fact that the performances have been generally shit for ten years or so. There yeah. have been small periods of anomalies. There's like under Pardew or periods under Benitez or times when we were in the championship. But in general, we've been quite bad. And the thing about the the progress thing about football sides, Mm. here's another one of my wanky generalizations about whatever. The thing about the progress thing is football fans of every single club all the time, if they're complaining about the side... They're always saying we're not progressing. We're not mm. progressing. It's, it's, but it's just the nature of, of everything. Not every, not every side can progress. It's like when people say that like, eighty percent of children need to be above average reading standard. It's like, well, that's impossible. There has to be a middle, and for some sides to progress, some sides have to regress. Yeah, and, you know. Just, but then, but you can you can mark progression in different ways, can't you? Because like someone like Man City and Liverpool, they're talking about their progression is about winning the the title, winning the Champions League, winning this, winning that. Because they're already nailed the performance side of things. It's just the consistency or like getting getting it over the line for teams like Southampton for Leicester for um even teams like Brighton and stuff like that it's like right okay we're a mid-table side let's try and play better football for teams like um ourselves and perhaps like Burnley or someone like that it's okay we got we got safety now let's try and add a little bit of flair but like basically safety is still the aim so we can all say like oh the team's like we've got this progress or we've got that progress. What I'm saying is that there isn't, there isn't, I don't think there has to be regression for every side because every side can, can progress in their own way. No, 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 can, can, no side plans like, to regress. It's just how football works. It's going to be, yeah, which is, which is grand, but the, the, that doesn't stop the piss poor performances that we're seeing. And the regression of the side, even just in Bruce's tenure, that's a that's a cause for concern, and that's a cause for for anger and frustration and disappointment. For, and for us, it it's is, can't you just be grateful on behalf of football that Steve Bruce provides? <laughs> he goes to football clubs and allows other <laughs> and allows other football teams to progress by regressing. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, I do get what you're meaning that there has to be you know there has to be one team has to do worse for you to do better at least I understand that but I don't care about other football clubs man I just care about the fact that I know I'm the sure. shit that we're watching is terrible man honestly it's not enjoyable you've said it yourself it's boring and it's, it's not enjoyable to watch but I think going over the stats of our performances of fine tooth comb is a bit like going over weather stats to prove it's getting darker earlier in winter. It's, it's so obvious from what we're seeing. I sort of... It's I, I yeah. I think, I think one thing for me is that the, there's a narrative in the media that, well, Bruce is doing a good job and the, the Newcastle fans demand too much and they're, they're expecting too much and all this. And yes, some of them are fucking talk sport or like call in people like Robbie Savage and Chris Sutton. It's not them that I'm really bothered about because that's what they're... But do you know the only reason I know about that narrative in the media is because it's constantly retweeted by Newcastle fans. I've not... (laughs) I don't see it in the media. I just see it from Newcastle fans cherry-picking negative pundits. But do you... But then do you listen to 606? Or or like... Sometimes. Or 5 Live or like the... The the call-in shows like Savage and Sutton... But I think sure, almost every football yeah. fan hates them because almost every fo- their whole job is they wind up football fans. They do it to every club. Yeah, but I'm, that was why I was saying, like, I forget about those guys and the guys on TalkSport because it is their job. They're there to wind you up. So I'm not, I'm not so bothered about them, but it's when you see, like, Mark Lawrenson or, um, like, you see Jenis on, on, on BT Sport. You see, you know, there are plenty of experts out there who are regurgitating the same bullshit that we're expecting too much and why aren't we happy with Bruce well the, we're not happy with Bruce because the performances are shit which you two agree they're shit so that's why we're I not think happy so I think I, it's I, 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 we're gonna there's gonna be a very consistent theme of like <laughs> podcasts this year but I think if I think I saw that under Ashley our average position in the table, at the our average finish position in the Premier League is thirteenth, I think. And mm-hmm. if we finish thirteenth under Bruce, I'm not saying that that's the most likely thing. Um, I, at the beginning of the season, with those new signings and everything, I was and the win against West Ham, I was caught into positivity, and I was even thinking we could finish tenth or something. Right now, if you ask me where I thought we'd finish, I would say sixteenth, maybe. But if we finish the season 13th, then I think Bruce is doing an okay job. An okay... Because it's well, a, he, will have, he will have been in the job for two years. That's a big enough sample size. It's not just luck. The results... I think the other thing to bear in mind is we see every Newcastle game. We see how shit we are. We don't see... 90 minutes of every other team who's mid-tables games we don't get to see how shit they are and like if you talk to fans of other teams they've not watched every Newcastle game and they'll just go well you should be about 13th you're about 13th poor you it's not really we're not going to get much sympathy from pundits or neutrals or other fans over our performances so I don't care about other fans (laughs) <laughs> whatever I, I don't I don't care about fans of other clubs like I totally understand that like I have no no opinion on how Crystal Palace's season is going absolutely zero I couldn't even tell you where they are in the league I don't care but 
when somebody's paid to give an opinion, an educated opinion in inverted commas, on football, I would expect at the very least for them to know the fortunes and the performances of the side that they're speaking about in that moment. Like if if Newcastle were the last game on the match of the day and they didn't even like they they just skirted over the the, the, the goals any key um, events straight to the the post match and then moved on. I'm not expecting an in depth discussion about it, but when we're a featured game on the on the analysis, I'd expect the people who've done that analysis to just have have a bit more knowledge of how that game's gone, even if it's just regurgitating something that somebody's told them, like one of the other researchers, it's, it's so yeah. easy to do. I get, I do get all that, but I sort of think, why does it matter what these pundits say? There's no, no impact from it. It doesn't affect the team. It doesn't, well, speaking, I don't speaking care if talk sport thinks Steve Bruce is doing an okay job. Speaking of why does it matter what pundits say? Um, we're going to have a break now, but do retu- do join us again <laughs> after that break uh, when we will uh, be continuing to uh, give our opinions on football. And uh, we will also dip into social media. So um, we'll be back in a moment. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back. Good break, guys. Lovely. The best. Great. I've got a question for you. The fact is that about, Martin, go on. Is it about Bruce? <laughs> yes. Is Bruce do the is the Bruce job that Bruce is doing? A pretty good. <laughs> B exceptional. Okay, no. Uh, right. Carl Darlow. Dave, how old is Carl Carl Darlow? Uh, twenty six. I'm going to say oh, Carl Darlow is 30 years old. What? In my head, <laughs> I found that out today. In my head, Carl Darlow was like 22. Like I, when you think about it, I'd go, "Oh shit, we signed him with Lulz. He's been around for quite a long time now." But Carl Darlow is 30. <laughs> I had no idea. He's our Jesse Lingard. I was like a great skin regime. Yeah, one, he looks good for his age. And two, but in my head, he was like, because he has been playing really well, because we have generously, as a side, offered him an opportunity to showcase his talents. (laughs) I I was thinking he must be one of the top 
uh, up-and-coming English keepers out there, why don't we hear about him talks, talked about um, in terms of the England team? And then it, I realised he's 30 years old. That's crazy. Yeah. So that's that. Well, it's uh, like when you when you look at Jermaine Jenis, you wouldn't think that he's like, I don't know how old he is. Like He's in his 30s, but physically he looks in his 20s. He looks great for his age. I think Lascelles is one of those as well who I sort of still almost think of as one of our younger players, but is actually mm. like coming into his prime football years. Who? Lascelles. Lascelles. Lascelles, yeah. And there's something about St. Maximum that makes me think he's older than he is. Oh, yeah, because he's like 21 or something. 22, 23, yeah. Young. Yeah. I think he's three. Dave, stop clicking your pen. Jesus. Um, thank you, Dave. Um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, and you've got some news for us. You've got some news for us. I think, Dave, you've got the news. Alan Pardew's got a job, right? Yeah, fresh off the back of his eight-year contract with Newcastle recently ending. He's, um, he's got a job with technical <laughs> director at CSKA Sophia. That is incredible. Oh, wow. Sofia is am I? Is Sofia's Bulgaria, right? Am I right? Roman, Romania. No, is it? I'm sure CSK. CSK. I'm going to take a punt in the dark and say France. <laughs> right. Well, there you go. None of us were confident about Sofia, which makes us all sound thick because Sofia is the Eastern European. Of, it's the capital of Bulgaria. Ah. So I was actually right, just to, to hammer that home. But <laughs> how do you explain Sophia Loren then? French. <laughs> Alan Pardew, once lockdown is eased, I mean, I, I don't know what the situation is in Romania, but once the vaccine's up and going, Alan Pardew in the nightclubs of Sophia. <laughs> oh, God. Is an interesting prospect. I get that. I just can, pick, can, I think Alan Pardew's going to get. I did a gig once in Bucharest in Romania. Clang. And the, yeah, big, big moment for me. <laughs> and, was, and you get these like city, all of these cities have a little expat community and they're all alcoholics and they're all into prostitutes. And I think Alan Pardew is going to fit right in. I think he'll thrive under that environment. I can see an eight-year contract. He's going to get. He's going to hang out with a group of expats in Sofia, going to particular nightclubs. He's going to have quite the time. I wonder if you can get dupe in the airport lounge. Sure, you can. It was in the duty free. He'll be loading up. And um, there's, there's other big news. Go on. Yeah, uh, McLaren's director of football at Derby, and there's another Newcastle link to that because uh, Derby have recently been bought by the BZ, BZ, um, the BZG group, the Binzaya um, group. Who were, yeah, they were the ones that Staveley had originally um, 
partnered up with to to when she took her first tilt at, at buying Newcastle. It was the BZ, BZG group. So they brought in Steve McLaren as director of football, and a lot of people have been taking the piss. But he has got a lot of football knowledge and football contacts, and he's got like I, I don't think it's a terrible appointment. As a director of football been, of the championship. Would have been hilarious. It would have been hilarious if we'd have got the takeover that we'd been longing for and Steve McLaren had been brought in. Along with yes. Dennis White, along with Dennis White. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been hilarious. But yeah, like, maybe maybe but it'll Steve, work out at Derby, but they yeah. do seem like they are... I think they're bottom of the table in the championship, aren't they? They're, and they do seem like they... They're one of those clubs at the moment, you know, clubs who just sort of go through a phase of hiring people they've heard of. Yeah, and like QPR. And... They've got Rooney. Yeah, they, they do seem like they're in a QPR situation. They feel like Leeds five, six years ago. It feels like they need to work through mm. this phase before they can come back. So it'll be what they'll go on for, like, Gary Monk and then Steve Koppel and <laughs> that, that kind of... Well, I guess... Group. Steve McLaren is the um, Gary Monk of 2020. Um, so we did ask some questions on uh, the Newcastle Natter Twitter account. Do follow it. I'm going to read them fresh. Here we go. Nick Bird, he says, in post-match interviews, Bruce has been quick to palm off fan concerns about the team's form, suggesting fans are always unhappy. Good point, Steve Bruce. Do you think he's trying to deflect attention from the issues, or is he simply oblivious to the glaring problems? Well, I'm dragging this down into Steve Bruce again, aren't I? I'll answer succinctly. I think it's a bit of both. I think, yes, he's trying to deflect attention away from the problems on the pitch and also I think that he doesn't know how to fix them so it's easy just to you know have a pop of the keyboard warriors as he calls them sure uh James aka uh at Penn's World says in retrospect was the 2011-12 and that's the um Pardew got us to fifth place season the last time watching any UFC was consistently fun. Could that ever be re- replicated again without a takeover and significant injection of cash? Would a Corona vaccine or takeover do more for your personal happiness in 2021? Some good questions there. I mean, that was probably the last time we were consistently. Yeah. I would say the last I mean, championship if- season, we were consistently good, but it, it was more of a relief than fun, I think. Yeah, it wasn't I think football. It was just like it was a relief that we're probably going to go back up. I think, yeah, I think definitely. That, I mean, that's the thing with Benitez aside. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't entertaining football. It was just really fucking effective in the Championship and pretty effective in the Premier League. And in terms of consistently fun, that that fifth place season. Oh my. Goodness, like the goals scored by Barb and Arthur and Cissé, mm. some of them were just out of this world, and not just the the worldies from from Cissé from you know the edge of the the edge of the the pitch against Chelsea, but like 
just some of the the attacking moves, like the um, the slide rule pass for Cisse's, um but from Kabai, I think it was against I want to say Swansea. Um, but that was some of the football we played in that season was fucking brilliant. I mean, I only got to see us live a few times in that season, but Kabai and Teote as a pet central midfield. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they were. You could make a case that they were the best central midfield pair in the league at that point. They were an unbelievable, like, uh, perfect partnership. We could do with those exact two players, I think, at the minute. We've got a lot of players that play that position but don't fulfil. I'd say between four players that we've got that play centre midfield, they can probably do about two-thirds of what Teote and Kabai can do together. Mm. Just to clarify those two players at that time. Yeah. Well, yeah, obviously right now. not now. <laughs> <laughs> now. Although I, I, I no would say check Teotihuacan's ghost over Jeff Hendrick any day of the week. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, mean, I would go so far to say that they would not even be... Yeah, okay. I can't even be bothered to finish that sentence. Okay. Um, Theo Penn says, What's oh, Theo Penn? I wonder if he's related to James, whose Twitter handle is Penn's World. Okay, Theo Penn says, What's happened to Yedlin? What has happened to Yedlin? He's really just not, yeah, he was, he's pretty much been last few seasons our best right back. Not that that's a particularly great honor to have at Newcastle in the last few years. But I think he's just been, he's been a defensive liability too many times. I think, I think our last two managers have both reached points where they've thought we're a bit safer with Mankio. I think Mankio's game's been raised a bit as well, which has put more pressure on Yedlin. Also, it is a shame. Can you imagine the sort of Yedlin and Lewis going down either wings? I think Yedlin would probably be a better wing back than Mankio, maybe even Jacob Murphy. I also think that a lot, a lot has to, a lot of it has to do with the fact that we've now got like Fraser, St. Maximin, Almiron, who can play on that right side to a higher standard and in a more attacking way than Richie did, because Richie would often like deliver balls from deep, and he was a more defensive, grafting, you know, hardworking right winger rather than the the flair players that we've got now. And I think you can't have too much flair on one wing, which is why like Lewis and St. Maximum struggle. Um, I think if you had Yedlin plus St. Maximum, Fraser or, or Almiron, you'd have the same kind of issues down the right flank. But I think Mankey is a more defensive right back, as is Kraft. Um, Fair so point. Also, Mankey can also, actually, I think, can cross a ball better than Yedlin. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, Yedlin's entire game was like fly forward at 95 miles an hour and then hopefully pull it across. Obertan at right back. Yeah. Could you imagine him and Obertan on the right together? It should be like two bullets going up and down with no awareness of what's going on around them. (laughs) It would just be two red... Sorry, go on. I was going to move on to the next one. Sorry. Did you want to complete that analogy, Dave, or should I move on? (laughs) <laughs> no, it wasn't that good. Okay, okay. I wanted to give you, I wanted to give you the opportunity. And um, Thomas Burkan says, "I've recently discovered that my fantasy team is more important to me than NUFC." 
as long as Newcastle don't get relocated, I prefer my fantasy team to do well. Does that make me a bad fan? I mean, it's understandable. I think I might be in the same position. Thomas Burkan, um, just looking at uh, our Newcastle now, our fantasy league, you are in, uh, let me see, you are in 15th place. Not bad, Thomas. Um, Paul, you're in 22nd place. Out of? Out of... Uh, this gives you an indication of our popularity as a um, podcast. Out of 64 teams in our league. I'll take that. Uh, Dave, you didn't enter this year because you were tired of getting um, completely pelted every season. And also, I always like give up after about October. Right, okay. Well, then maybe you can understand Steve Bruce as a manager a little bit more. Maybe you should be more empathetic. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm happy to talk about the Fantasy Football League because I am in sixth place not doing that bad at all so I thought I'd just mention that okay but um, well done I should give it to well done to Aidan Cesari who is currently top of the Newcastle, Newcastle Natural League so um and that comes with a cash prize of £4.2 million at the end of the yeah. season. Yeah, don't forget. Thank you very much to our sponsors for that. <laughs> um, uh, the Irish Thames says, is it true that Fergus Craig is playing a spin-off pod with Hossaloo called Don't Hassle the Hoss? Okay, I think that's a reference to a sitcom that I appeared in many years ago called Half the Record, starring David Hasselhoff, which I got another um, royalty fee for today. I keep on, I'm getting quite a few royalty fees. I don't know what country it is that's currently showing Half the Record, but thank you for... Germany? Germany? (laughs) I mean, that would be the obvious one, wouldn't it? Uh, Don Minner says... If you were able to start fresh with a new roster, is there anyone worth saving? That's a good question. The question is, is how fresh? Are we talking money is virtually no object? Have we become PSG? Are we also saying you have real-world concerns? Because in practice, changing all 11 players... Whenever teams change too many players, that is a disaster. But are we not counting that as a, an issue with this? I guess we're not counting that. We're just saying that is there anyone just for their quality or potential worth? Yeah, loads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you keep you keep um, Debraca and Darlow. You surely keep Lascelles. And you keep Lewis. Um, you keep the two long staffs on potential alone. You keep Fraser, St. Maximum, Almiron, Wilson. Yeah, there's loads of players. It's just Shelby, Hayden. And Hayden's playing well. It's just, I think he's limited. I wouldn't keep Lascelles. I think you've no. It's nowhere uh, just moving aside from that slide nowhere near time to like start getting on his back and writing him off. I've been a little bit disappointed with Jamal Lewis. Yeah, he's one of those players that's better, I think, in our heads because Liverpool tried to sign him. 
Yeah. Whereas actually, you look at him in games, he's he's been all right getting forward, but only sort of half decent. And he's not been defensively. I think Paul Dummett's a much stronger left back. It's a good reason why he's not doing as well as we hoped. Jesus Christ, Dave. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. You did. But it's there. No, I didn't say it. You, when you, um, when you do that, about a man like him, (laughs) I tell you, honestly, I've kept quiet about this, Dave. When you uh, fail in something around the household with your wife, do you blame Steve Bruce? (laughs) He's what I use to keep going longer, mate. No, it's true. Before Steve Bruce, every one of our signings was good and reached their full potential. <laughs> they were perfect footballers. We were basically Barcelona until he came in. We'll uh, see. Andy Sheldon says, so, uh, so utterly fed up that I can't actually be asked to think of a question. Tune and football have been ruined by utter, utter bastards. Well... <laughs> That's no way to talk about us, Andy. I'm sorry. We've done that to you. Um, Tune and football have been ruined by utter, utter bastards. Yeah, is football, is football fun at the moment? You've been able to take out of it. I cannot uh, wait to go to a game. Me and Paul yeah. decide on uh, Saturday completely... Without even taking a moment's thought into where we are as a club and what the football is like, at the earliest opportunity, we'd like to go up to Newcastle to watch a game. Just for the day out, to be around people, to see football live, to get... I'd like that. uh, Well, you're not... The invite invite must have got lost or something. (laughs) (laughs) No, if we can make that happen. I I wonder... Come on, guys. Like, I need this too. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do well, it, Dave. Yeah. We'll get there. Well, that's the thing. The, for the last, for the whole of uh, the pandemic, the uh, atmosphere amongst Newcastle fans has been incredibly ne- negative, um, which is very much influenced by what's been going on on the pitch. But as, I'm assuming as soon as fans are allowed in the stadiums, Surely it's going to be impossible to get a ticket. Those games are going to fill up because people are just so desperate to watch football. Well, they're saying there's like four thousand tickets for, depending on the the you know what tier of um, coronavirus lockdown the area is in. There's like if you're tier two, you can have four thousand fans. If you're tier, tier three, one's... you can only have two thousand. I think it's tier one's four thousand, tier two's two thousand, and tier three's zero. I think Newcastle's oh. probably going to be tier three. So I, think I was it'll thinking be empty more in for a while. Once, I was thinking more in terms of once we're allowed fifty-two thousand in. Yeah, which yeah. looks like it's going to be this season. Well, that'd be amazing. I'm going to be especially if because because not to like kick the coals over too much, but the um, the, the te- there's been rumblings about the takeover um, not being done and like dead in the water because arbitration that the, the club is seeking is progressing and they're not it, it's not clear whether they're saying that the O&D test was um, 
it uh, needs to be overturned or like the decision needs to be changed or if they're just saying that it wasn't applied properly so you need to do it again but anyway the both sides like both the, the buying side and the selling side have there are sources amongst them that have said that they're both still interested in in pushing it through so my little daydream is that before the end of the season 52,000 Newcastle fans can go into the stadium be wel- like welcome the new owners and the new like the new regime uh, and also beats oh, they I are a regime <laughs> <laughs> and you know celebrate a thrashing of West Bromwich Albion that you know that's my that's what I'm looking that's what I'm, my little daydream is I think it would be worth it just for how hilarious it would be if the takeover went through and on day one, they handed Steve Bruce an eight-year contract <laughs> <laughs> as manager. I would, I would go as far as to say it as that would be funny enough that I would like it to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'd take a one-all draw and just a day out in the pubs of Newcastle. Rather, uh, the result would be meaningless do you, performance would be do you have a do you have a, a list of pubs that you'd you'd hit because i know the ones i'd go to now it would be tilly's the fourth and probably tilly's is that the quite crafty one yeah yeah, yeah that's, that's... i do like that i don't I, I think it's gonna be hard to get a ticket maybe we'll just go up anyway and just hang out outside yeah. <laughs> that's quite tempting um, go to the nine oh, bar you would leave me up for that so that we got um, kids to look after fuck it <laughs> <laughs> so I would be um, up for that so this Friday night we are playing on Amazon Prime where every kid in the park dreams of playing one day <laughs> we're playing uh, away at Crystal Palace I'm going to put forward the case that this is a pretty, this is a pretty important game and a pretty good opportunity to show, give an indication of where are we really at? Mm. Just how bad is it? Because as we did say earlier on, for whatever the stats said, we have played quite a lot of good sides recently. And our most recent game was against a side who are challenging for the title. But we're going to go to Palace. We're going to play a side without Zaha. Zaha, I'm pretty sure he's not going to be available because yeah. he's, he's self-isolating. He's got the Rona. He's got the Rona. Unless there's some like footballer thing where they could just get a test every day and as soon as he gets a negative test, he can play. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. So they're without Zaha. I would say that they're... Crystal Palace are kind of the side that we're trying to be. Yeah. <laughs> not That's like depressing, one. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> They've got that one flair player plus Andrus Townsend. <laughs> and the, God. You know. It's like being an so, Ian Beale lookalike. <laughs> do they press a lot, Crystal Palace, as a side? No, they're pretty much like us. 
or like we yeah. were defensively well drilled counter attack team sort of team we we struggled to put in a performance against not necessarily get a result against they all seem to be quite scrappy one goal affairs from my memory mm. they're having a mix up because I was having a look and they're they're 11th they got 13 points so we could go above them with a win um Goal difference is minus one, and they've won four, drawn one, lost four. So they are the quintessential, um, you know, unpredictable side. So I would, um, I don't know, without Zaha, they've still got Batshuayi, they've still got Townsend, they're still well-drilled defensively. But if we follow our shit performance against Chelsea uh, with the same kind of performance that we saw against like West Ham or Burnley or Everton, we could well beat them. So it's really hard to predict. Mm. I'd like to see us in in a way that we have done in some games. I'd like to see us go on the front foot and and just accept that we aren't we don't have uh, like wealth of great defenders and. Um, we're not a well-drilled defensive side and we're not going to turn that around in a week. But we do have some talented attacking players. Sounds so, like Wilson will be fit. Yeah. I hope so. So it would be nice to try and keep a bit, have a bit more of the action in their half of the pitch. I think in that vein as well, when, I'd quite like to see us go to four at the back again. So four, two, three, one with sort of mm. Clark and Fernandez. Yeah, I know what you're saying, but I, I think I'd prefer us um, to stick with the five at the back, but play um, with Almiron from the off, because I thought that when he came on against Chelsea, that was when we started to look like we were going to create something. Um, I think he had our only shot on target for the whole game. Um, I'd start Almiron. I'd um, yeah, I'd, I'd stick with Longstaff because I thought he looked okay in a bad side. He was one of the few ones yeah. where who wasn't terrible. I'd start with Longstaff. I'd start with Almiron, and and just play that like five. Um, There's going to be five, no Lascelles. Two, two, I think, one. Is there? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. If you, the the only issue with playing four at the back then is. Um, because we're so piss poor defensively, having four at the back, it's just I'd, I'd want the extra body in there just to. I sort of think it's help. more about how you defend that because we've been doing it with five at the back and just not making tackles. We've not, we don't seem that difficult to play against with five at the back, and at least rather have an extra body in midfield. Against mm. Palace, I think it's worth the risk compared to against sort of Chelsea. I think five at the back, in theory, would suit us against much more attacking teams. Would you do like a four-three-three with like Hayden and Longstaff and Almiron with Fraser and uh, St. Maximum out on like playing wide, and then Wilson in the middle, and just give Almiron like you are going to start a little deeper. You're not playing a four-three like a like a. Uh, what do you call it, like a, a diamond formation, but you are not a diamond, but you know what I mean? Like you're not playing that far up. You're not four two three one. You are part of that midfield three. I think four two three one almost like that Pardew season where it's just Hayden Longstaff, the middle two, probably a bit deeper. It, 
Almiron. Playing the Kabaitiode roles and then yeah. um St Maxim on the left, probably Almiron number ten role. Definitely number ten role for him, yeah. Which I think maybe Murphy on the right without anyone else and Wilson up front. So I think Fraser's still out, isn't he? Is he okay. still out? I thought he was gonna be back. I don't know. If Fraser's I'd love to see that front four. Predictions. Uh, fuck. I just it's really hard to predict, but if you're gonna hold me to a prediction, I'm gonna say two one Newcastle. Ooh. There you go, one all. Okay, I was going to go 2-1 Newcastle. I'm surprised you went for that, Dave. But um, I guess if that if you, if you are ha- right and that does happen, then um, it's hats off to Steve Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. But, um, Come on now. Come on. Let's not. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because it's Friday night. And the feelings in our houses because there's a pandemic on. Yeah, what else is there to look forward to? Yeah, fuck it. We're good. We're good. It's not. I mean, it's not going to be a. Um, you don't expect uh, thrills and spills, really. Well, maybe some spills. They are some of the worst oh, yeah, games I've seen live. Selhurst Park, Palace, Newcastle. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's just a weird choice for a Friday night game. Mm. Like, like you said, like if if Crystal Palace are the team we're trying to be, that's really fucking depressing. And also, I wouldn't choose to watch either of us this season. I think it's just because all the good teams are playing in midweek. (laughs) (laughs) What two are so shite that they'll definitely be available for a Friday night game? It's like when you've only got like coconut or um, or the uh, Turkish delight ones left in the, yeah. the selection box. <laughs> like fuck, it's one of these. Palace um, day night, which is what's that? Sorry, Palace played on Monday night. Yeah, they gave um, Burnley the first win of the season. They did, and I watched some of it. But it's kind of interesting that they got the. Um, Friday night game after playing Monday but what was nice about seeing Palace play on Monday is that I got to see um, Andrus Townsend cut in from the right and uh, a shot with his left so um, Andros Townsend did that yeah yeah so sure. it'd be nice to see it'd be nice to see a bit more of that maybe um, on Friday night yeah so uh, uh, let's leave it there um, thank you very much uh, Dave Watson thank you Fergus thank you Paul Doolin thank you very much Fergus and thank you to you the Newcastle Nato listener goodbye wasn't that a great podcast now if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day come and listen to ours it's called what has he said now and is available wherever you got this podcast you're going to lose a number of people to the flu this is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family 
cannolis and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.